challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Last week, uh, I'm privileged to say, we had 164,000 people download the message from Sunday. So that is a cool, cool thing. 164,000, which is uh, very, very exciting. Our uh, Wednesday show is uh, growing. And I don't know if you listened last week, but it was pretty cerebral. Who in here, who in the live audience listened to Wednesday's show? Stump, Andy Stump, Navy SEAL. And then sadly, of course, you guys heard that in Somalia, a uh, senior chief Navy SEAL was killed this week, uh, assisting the Somali army. So we're very, very sad about that, and, and we continue to pray for our military. Don't think that we're not at war, because we are. We are absolutely at war. So I'd encourage you, especially now, to go back to that and listen to that. Um, we were commercial-free last week, much to the chagrin of my bank account, because, um, you know, it was just in the flow. He was just in the flow. And he's a smart guy. He's an interesting guy. He's a thinker. And um, so it was a privilege to have him on again. And I think that you'll be interested in it. Um, we talked about some really, really challenging topics. And on the heels of Corporal Ballard of the Delaware State Police being murdered, um, and then, of course, the, the guy that killed him being stopped, exterminated by the Delaware State Police as he tried to uh, kill more police officers, then uh, quite something. It was really quite a week, rough week, actually. And, of course, Friday in the pouring rain and the high winds, it's a tough thing to bury anybody, even in the sunshine. But boy, when it's terrible like that, it's it's a hard thing. Yeah, God was crying like everybody else. Now that's, that's powerful. That's a beautiful sentiment. Well, I have to tell you, and you're right, Alaska, his blog is awesome. Uh, Confessions of an Idiot is Andy Stump's blog. And obviously I want you to hit my blog and subscribe to it, theninjapastor.com. And then after you do that, because it only takes 20 seconds, go to his and subscribe to his. Now some of the stuff he talks about is pretty pretty tough stuff. You know, he doesn't censor what he says, and, you know, you may encounter some language you, you, you are uncomfortable with, but the fact of the matter is, is I think it's worth it. Um, Diane, happy birthday. Where are you back there? Happy birthday to you. Glad to have you. Another year. Bill's is Thursday. Wow. Happy birthday, Bill. Just amazing. Just amazing. So, <clears throat> let's see. What else was I supposed to talk about? I'm trying to think. There's another announcement. Oh, next week, for those of you who listen and the live audience here, we will be at my house in Middletown, Delaware. Uh, we'll be meeting. I understand that it's Mother's Day, but some of you, your mothers have passed or 
um, or maybe they live far away, and uh, so we'll have it there. It'll be nice and comfortable. We'll still do the food and do all the stuff we, we do. And, of course, you'll have to deal with my little doggy being right at my feet and uh, loving on everybody but protecting Daddy. So uh, same time, 5 o'clock we eat, and then 5.30 we, we get started. So um, I, t- I entitled this message, Bought the Land and the Lady. I like to come up with some interesting titles that, that kind of uh, pique interest, but also speak some truth into what we're going to talk about. So, And I start off to say this is a great, and then I had to stop myself and say, no, this is one of the greatest stories from Scripture. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, and the more I studied, every time I study the story of Boaz and Ruth, or Ruth uh, in Hebrew, I'm always blown away. I'm always blown away. I'm really excited to preach this message today, and uh, I've really been looking forward to it. So this is, this is me looking forward to preaching. Um, so, okay, Ruth 4, 1 through 12. I'm going to buzzsaw through it. This is the complete Jewish Bible. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some of the complete Jewish Bible, and then we're going to do some King James and New King James Version. There's a reason for that, because there's certain words that the King James translated. I don't want to say transliterated. Some things they mistranslate, and let's be honest, they did. Uh, but, but, you know, it was, a, it was a different thing. We didn't have all the documents that we have now. We had so many more, the, the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls and the, the uh, Caves of Qumran. That, that discovery was extraordinary, and it had a major impact on what we know. Some of the books, actually 95% of the book, uh, pages we'd never even seen before, and they were actually intact. How amazing. Such a cool thing. But the complete Jewish Bible, I, use, I want to start you off with that to give you a kind of a basic idea and, and so that you can hear some of the, the uh, Hebrew words, and it'll, it'll make sense to you why I do it. Meanwhile, Boaz had gone up to the gate, and he had sat down there when the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken passed by. Such and such, he said, come over and sit down. So he came over and he sat down. He took ten of the city's leaders and said, sit down here, and they all sat down. Then he said to the redeeming kinsman, the parcel of land which used to belong to our relative Elimelech is being offered for sale by Naomi, who has returned from the plain of Moab, or what you know as Moab. I thought I should tell you about it and say, buy it in the presence of the people sitting here and in the presence of the leaders of my people. If you want to redeem it, redeem it. But if it is not to be redeemed, then tell me so that I can know because there is no one else in line to redeem it. And I am after you. He said, I want to redeem it. Then Boaz said, the same day you buy the field from Naomi, you must also buy Ruth, the woman from Moab, the wife of the deceased son, in order to raise up in the name of the deceased an heir for his property. The Redeemer said, then I can't redeem it for myself because I might put my own inheritance at risk. You take my right of redemption on yourself because I can't redeem it. In the past, this is what was done in Israel to validate all transactions involving redemption and exchange. A man took off a shoe and gave it to the other party. This was the form of attestation in Israel. So the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he took off a shoe. Boaz addressed the leaders and all the people. You are witnesses today that I am purchasing from Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Machlan. Also, I am acquiring as my wife, Ruth, the woman from Moab, 
the wife of Mechlan, in order to raise up in the name of the deceased an heir for his property, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his kinsmen and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses today. All the people at the gate and the leader said, we are witnesses. May Adonai make the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and Leah, who between them built up the house of Israel. Do worthy deeds in Ephrat and become renowned in Bethlehem, which is Bethlehem. May your house, because of the seed Adonai will give you from this young woman, become like the house of Peretz, whom Tamar bore to Yehudah. Now, first let me say to the folks out there, I have uh, Satanists that follow me because they hate me and they hate the word uh, because they know it's true and they worship death and not life. And I have Media Matters that follows me, much the same reason. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it's kind of true. It is true. Uh, it, you know, God be with them. But they'll always point to the scripture. You need to understand. They'll point to the scripture and say, see, this, this Bible business that you people are into, guess what? You, it, it shows that you don't know how to treat women, that you uh, really dis, you discard women. Women are second, bought like chattel, you know. And, and gosh, do we, you know, I don't know how you can face yourself. Yeah, but they're for Islam. They have no problem with that. The, the all female genital mutilation and all that. I don't hear a hue and cry. But in this particular case, we look at this and we say, they'll look at this and they'll go, buy the woman for your, what? What is this, slavery? What do we got going here? However, however, the, but here's the deal. Here's a, well, I'm not going to, I'm jumping ahead. So the thing is, is what happens is, is people who don't understand scripture and the culture and the language and the tradition and the land don't understand. So what do they do? They look at the book, they make an assessment, a judgment, and they say, you're no better than Islam. You're no better than this. You're, you, you are anti-woman. Well, we'll find out here. There, nothing could be further from the truth. It was actually a beautiful, beautiful thing. Not to tell the end of the story so that you get up from the movie and walk out in the middle of it. We don't want that. So as we come to this last chapter of Ruth, and any of you who have read Ruth, how many have read Ruth before? Wow. Man, I'm telling you, it's so good, isn't it? Isn't it so beautiful? What a beautiful thing. I want to say also, I want you to remember this as I go forward. It's very important to realize that although there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there who say, hey, you know what? You know, you Christians are anti-woman. You're, you're anti-feminism. You're this, you're that. They say all these things. Let's look at, uh, let's look at the featured person in this book. It's the book of, it's not the book of Boaz, it's the, it's the book of Ruth, because of what Ruth did. And if you read the book of Ruth, you see this is an amazing human being. Not just woman, she's amazing. She's fascinating, she's intriguing, she's captivating, right? There's a, there's a women's Bible study out there um, It talks about being captivating. I think captivating is in the, in the title. I might even have it somewhere in my study. And, and, and Ruth is, is part of the reason why this study came about captivating. I mean, there was something very, very special about Ruth. But what was the main thing? Her faith. Her faith, her loyalty. Uh, she, she was extraordinary. She was an extraordinary woman. And throughout the book of Ruth, you see that. You see that this, this person for whom this book is about is an extraordinary person who is being honored. You know, 
the canons of Scripture, the things that were chosen to be left out and the things that were chosen, this made it. You know, there's lots of books that never did make it into the, the, the Scriptures that we know, the Holy Bible that we know. So anyway, not for nothing. So we can look back on reading the, 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 uh, the book of Ruth and say that it's been a great journey. For me, every time I get, to, I get to the end of it. And I was doing a personal study on this, and I thought, well, why don't I preach on this at the end of the book? Oh, yeah, it said all this stuff. Well, you're going to have to go back and read the beginning because I'm preaching the end. So Ruth had come from the heathen land of Moab, or Moab, as you know it, into the heart of Boaz. This is where she came. She came from this heathen place that they weren't good people by and large. Ruth, an amazing, by contrast, person, person of faith, person of character, and, but, but the land where she came from, not so much. Not so much. They didn't honor treaties. They didn't honor their word. You know, they, their word meant nothing. So she comes from this into the heart of Boaz. She comes from pretty much darkness and somewhat, to some degree, hopelessness into being redeemed. Oh, here we go. The feminists will say, oh, see, see, she needed a man. Yes, she needed a man, or she would likely have died. She needed. Here she was in this circumstance. It's really, really, everybody around her is dead. I'm skipping ahead. I'll, I'll cover it in more detail. But, every, you know, and back then in that, in, in that framework of society, man, you had better have a, a support group around you. Anyway, more to come about that. So she's come from the land of poverty. Uh, she now enjoys the land of plenty. She she is in a situation where she has gone from not much to wow. We can't even count what she has now. She's she's enjoying this land. Ruth has come from Moab to marriage, and you know what? As I said, the best is yet to come. So sitting at the gate, then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. So okay, I'm switching back and forth King James, New King James, and complete Jewish Bible. There's a reason. You'll see what it is in a minute. Boaz went up to the gate of the city of Bethlehem, or Bethlehem, uh, and he sat down there. Prominent place. You know, if, if you study ancient Hebrew cities, the, the gates were the place where everything happened. You know, it was, it, was, it was the happening place. It was not like a club happening, you know, where you got all the bumping music and all that stuff, but it was more of a social, there was a connection thing. It's there. Let's say your family went on a trip and you stayed home to tend to the, the animals and the land and keep an eye on things. Um, because you kept asking, you didn't get to go because you kept asking along the way every couple of miles, are we there yet? Are we there yet? So they said, listen, here's what we're going to do. You're so mature, we're going to put you in charge. Take... So this is where you go when they're coming back. You're expecting them back because they didn't text very well back then. People didn't text very much. They, I don't know why, but they just didn't. They didn't text then. So what, what happens is you have to go to this gate and wait and watch. You have to go. It's old school. We're rocking it old school. Are they coming? I don't know. Go out on the porch and look. You know, in the country, that's what we did. I grew up country. You look at, you go out on a porch, you look. Who's coming? Somebody coming? Yeah, somebody's coming. I can see. So I went out and looked. That's kind of what they had to do with this gate. Somebody's coming home from a trip. This is where you had to find out where, where they're coming. Um, it's where you could hear the latest news or scuttlebutt. Hey, you want to know what's happening in the city? Guess what? Go to the gate. You want to hear what's happening outside the gates of the city? Guess what? Go to the gate. Because travelers who come, they come in through where? The gate. Right, foreigners coming from another land, and you want to hear about this stuff, right? Because the internet was very slow back then. They had the dial-up, and it was just really, really slow, and nobody wanted to go through all that. This is the ding, 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 shing, shing, all that stuff. They didn't want to go through that. So what they did was they went to the gate, and they heard about all these people 
from all these other places. And they said, wow, we really, really, this is cool to hear all this stuff, right? It was the scuttlebutt, not gossip so much, but some gossip. So um, it was also, in a more serious note, it was also, this was where legal and judicial affairs were conducted, right? At the gate, at the gate, the focus point, this is the focus point, and things happened at this gate. So Boaz, he's a man on a mission. He has excitement in his heart and a spring in his step, you know, because he's not super young. Uh, Boaz sat down at the city gate fairly early. He got there early. He said, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to lay in wait, if you will, for the nearest kinsman. Now, who's the nearest kinsman? Who has a claim that is related next in line for the land? So he gets there early because he's a man of purpose. He's a man on a mission. He gets there early. He says, I'm going to wait for this fellow to come by. I know he's got to come through here. This is what's going to happen. So then in the summons of the defendant, the Bible says, And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho! such a one turn aside sit down here and he turned aside and sat down now if somebody called me a hoe i don't think that i would be real quick to sit down i'd be like who are you going hoe? but the way it works back then is ho he wasn't saying you were a hoe he was saying i don't know if anybody really says that nowadays i'm rocking it old school so i say it um i'll bring it back because i do that i bring stuff back not really uh so what happens is he he calls out to him in this way and it's a crazy way. You might think, I'm crazy. You're thinking, I'm crazy. He said it. I'm just reporting what he said. He said, ho, such a one, turn aside and sit down here. Now, first of all, somebody says that, they better be somebody, right? Somebody saying, hey, so-and-so, such-and-such, turn aside, sit down right here. Today, people would just, especially kids today, they have no respect. They'll keep on walking. They'll be like, you ain't my mama. Well, I would say you don't even respect your mama, so you better respect me. But the point of the matter is, is this guy had some weight to him. He had some, he had some something to him. He was a, he was a powerful guy. So he says, hey, so and so, basically in the country, we'll be that. he was some so and so, wasn't he? You know, that's what we would say. But that's kind of what he says here. Now we don't know why Boaz didn't call him by his name because we know that he probably knew him by name. Why? Because Boaz was the man. Boaz knew everybody, and everybody knew Boaz. He had to have known his name. There's just no way he couldn't. After all, you know what? He's a kinsman. And Boaz from this community, you know, he knows who's who and, and everything. So we really don't know why. But the phrase ho, um, it, other than what you're thinking, because you all are thinking in the gutter, uh, it's uh, ho such a one is really the whole phrase. It's, it's a Hebrew thing. It's idiomatic, and it's similar to our phrase so-and-so. Remember what I just said. So, hey, so-and-so, come aside and sit for a spell, kind of what he was saying. Now, when you read the Bible and you don't understand the culture and the language and the custom, you might look at that and go, just like I said, oh, who are you calling help? Right? Because people read the Bible, they don't know, they don't go any deeper. And, but this is the reality of it is, is actually he's saying, hey, so-and-so, come and sit and uh, sit, come aside here and sit for a spell. So maybe it wasn't so bossy, you know, if we look a little deeper. Now, he selects some witnesses because you've got to have witnesses. And he took men of the elders of the city and said, sit you down here. And they sat down again. Ten. So ten men of this city. You, 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 and you. That's not ten, but I lost count at this third or fourth you. Unless I did three you's and I said third or fourth. The fact of the matter is with brain injury, don't hold it against me. He picks ten. Maybe he used his fingers to count them out. I don't know. But he picks ten. And they all stay. 
they all go over there and stay. They're like, all right, you know, somebody special. This Boaz was somebody special. Now, why did he pick? Why did he pick ten? Why did he pick the witnesses? Ten elders of the city. Ten elders of the city. Did you catch that? Elders, right? They're important people too. And they obeyed him. They said, all right, I'll sit down. And they sat down. It says it right there. I told you, you did. The law required two or three witnesses, but allowed for more. Now, you can learn more about that in Numbers 3530, Deuteronomy 17, 6 through 7, and 19 through 15. But Boaz gathered together ten elders, and he included them in this meeting as witnesses. So he, instead of doing two or three, right, he could have done two or three. It's faster. It's easier. You know, but let's say that, that you're, at two, you're at one, and you ask the second person, the second guy, and maybe he says no, so he asks another one, oh, I got my two. And then he could have stopped at two, right? But what if that guy changes his mind? Who knows? What if he's not serious? Might be a little intoxicated that day. Nobody's going to take his, take his witness for – he picks ten. Not two or three, ten. He picks ten. Ten is more than two or three by a long shot. Right? It's more than triple. So I, you, I already mentioned this, but the, the gate of these cities in the ancient times, biblical times, this is where most of the official business took place. So what did you have to do? Well, an example would be the kings of Judah and Israel. They sat on thrones at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, 1 Kings 22.10. King Zedekiah, in fact, sat at the gate of Benjamin. That's talked about in Jeremiah 38.7. So Amos speaks of him that rebuke rebuketh in the gate, and of the unjust judges who take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor at the gate from the right. And he exhorts the people, hate the evil and love the good, and establish judgment at the gate. That's Amos 5, 10 through 15. Oh, also, capital punishment was carried out normally at the gate of the city. Why? You're not going to go traipsing in, committing some crimes, if you're from somewhere else. You see the folks hanging, and guess what? They left them hanging for days. Right? Somebody got stoned. Their rotting corpse laid there for days. Why? Usually they would lift them up on a pike. Come look. Come check this out. This is what happens to people that do bad stuff. You do bad stuff, this is what's going to happen to you. So not for nothing, but you better pay attention. So that's why the gate thing, just so you know. By the way, the capital punishment is talked about in Deuteronomy 22:24. So Boaz, what, what he does here is he assembles the witnesses in the city gate since it, it it was official business. This is what's getting ready to happen. This is a legal proceeding. And as I said before, you know, he is a really, really rich man, and he has a lot of influence. Remember, he did right? He, he, the kinsman, he tells him, go sit over there, and he does. Doesn't even call him by name. These ten influential elders of the city, he tells him, hey, I need you as witnesses. Over here you go. Okay. They do it. So he's got influence. But here's the thing about Boaz that makes him so awesome. He didn't just throw his weight around. He didn't, you know, as a person, do you know who I am? You know, I've, when I was a police officer, I've stopped some pretty influential people. And they would say, do you know who I am? And I, I'll always look at their driver's license and go, yeah, I read it right here, right here. No, I mean, who I am? Yeah, I'm not impressed yet. So he didn't do that. He, he didn't throw his weight around. That's just not what he did. Um, he didn't abuse his influence. Everything he did was legal and above board. He obeyed the laws of the land. This was important to him to be a person not only of influence and power, but also a person of uh, he could be morally judged well. Uh, and so as we see his respect for authority later on, that would be honored by the Lord. So the stating of the case, here's the case here, just for fun, Ruth 4, 3 through 4. 
And he said unto the kinsman Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. So Boaz, he opens these proceedings formally. He pronounces that Naomi has a piece of land that needs to be redeemed. She has this land. It has to be redeemed. He points out that this uh, nearer kinsman, in other words, closer, in re- he has the claim. He's, you know, he's, he's closer in claim uh, to redeem the land. So the near, the nearer kinsman, he, he quickly concurs, right? He says, you know, yeah, I'll redeem it. I'll redeem it. I got this. More land for me, right? I'm building my empire. But he was a little bit hasty here. Why? He hadn't heard the whole deal, right? He reacted before he heard the whole deal. There was a lot more to this than the normal deal. So Boaz, he adds a little more detail. This guy's not stupid, this Boaz. He, he dribbles it out just a little bit at a time. Then said Boaz, this is funny to me, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. That's Ruth 4 or 5. Right, right. A little something extra here. There were two things involved. First of all, there was the purchase of this land from Naomi, which also uh, must be purchased from Ruth the Moabites, the wife of Machlon. Uh, the land belonged to Elimelech, and since he was dead, it would go to his descendants, Malan and Shileon. Uh, however, since they also were dead, look, right? Dead. Lots of death all around this. This poor woman, lots of death all around her. So she's kind of like, you know, times are bad there. We think we have it tough, right? You know, she's, everybody's dead around her. However, since they were also dead, see, not so bad in this case, God works it out really beautifully. Listen, if we trust God, God will work some stuff out. He always does. He always does. I say, I leave it in the hands of God. I trust God to work it out. That's hard to do. Anybody here believe that that's hard to do? Look, I don't know the way. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm trusting him. That'll work it out. I don't know. Sometimes, for me, that's easier, and sometimes it's harder. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's pretty difficult to do. In fact, very difficult to do. So people are dead and, and everything, and, and, and uh, she had a right to the claim, which was her husband, so that falls to her. The second requirement was, according to the law, since the husband was deceased, the next son in line was to take this wife and raise up seed to his brother. In other words, keep the lineage going, right? This is important. We've got to do this. We're, this is a, an important part of it. That may sound gross and weird. What, my brother's going to marry? What? You know, but that's how they did it, you know? That's how they did it. And, and it was quite honorable. They made sure nobody went hungry. Nobody went unprotected. So the next son in line, right? Now, this man realized that since there were no living brothers, because right, they're all dead, if he were to do the part of the kinsman, he would have to marry Ruth. Now, he tempered, right? This old boy spoke too soon. He, he realizes, uh, there's more to this story, more in the package than I bargained for. Uh, a wife comes with this deal. So Solomon said in Proverbs 18:13, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him, right? You've got to listen to the whole story. So somebody's telling you something. You've got to listen a little bit. You ever be talking to somebody and you're very passionate with them, you really like them, but they interrupt you. You don't even get to answer your question. They interrupt you, drive you crazy. How many do that? Too many people raising their hand, right? 
that might be you, by the way. If you're not raising your hand, you might be that person that maybe you interject too soon, maybe a little too quick, and now you're all gunshot because I'm talking about you, and you're like, ooh, I don't know. I don't want to raise my hand because they'll be like, see, you know. But I'm just saying to you, sometimes it's hard. It's a difficult thing, right? You're in a, you have a passionate relationship with someone. You care about that person. They care about you, and you're having these exchanges, and you're trying to explain something, and they say something, and then you jump in, right? You jump in really fast, and then they're like, uh, and I was going to say, Miss Interrupter, Mr. Interrupter, this next thing, and the next thing is a really beautiful and sweet thing that explains the first thing, which you got all fired up about. Well, sometimes it can have a consequence, like in here, this dude's like, I'll take it, before he knew all the information. He was a little jumpy, quick to the gun. He was ready, fire, instead of ready, aim, fire, right? He went right to fire. So it, I, suffice to say, and I think I've made it pretty clear, beating it to death, you got to have all the facts before you can make a decision. He just spoke right up and stuck his foot right in his mouth. Now, when he finds out this package deal comes with a wife, he starts backpedaling, right? Now, this is what politicians do nowadays, right? They do. They say something and like flat-out lied, where they say, well, I misspoke. What is misspoke, right? By the way, just something came out of my mouth that got tripped up from, from uh, here to the mouth, brain to the mouth. It just something I got. It fell over something. There was a lump in my throat and fell over it, and by the time it came out, it was not what I thought it would be. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. In other words, he was like, Mm-mm. tell you what, I'm going to give you, I am going to give you my spot. That's what he says to Boaz. Look, I don't know what Ruth looked like. I'm just saying, he might have been one of them people. Because we don't know what was going on in his uh you know, in his life and in his situation, but there could be certain alliances and marriages that could, could jack stuff up. And now that he's realizing, and you know what, maybe because back then they had often more than one wife. Um, right. No, not at all. That's right. That's exactly right. So, so when these things are happening, there's a little bit of a strategy to it. This is a guy you don't want to be in strategic talks with because this guy talks before he thinks. So the deal went from cash to commitment, right? This guy, it, all of a sudden he realizes this is not just a purchase. This is a human being I'm going to have to deal with. And, and as I started to say, you know, maybe his, maybe his other wife or wives were, were – they, they were like, look, brother, you got three wives. You don't need any more wives. You bring another woman up here, we're going to make your life a problem. We are not going to make you – breakfast like we normally do there might be some little extra in your breakfast i don't know i don't know how they solved that stuff back then but they fixed it up <laughs> and my bride thank you by the way welcome um welcome to everyone from uh from in our chat we've got people from upstate new york middle of new york we got people from minnesota we got people from alaska my goodness that's fun isn't that cool technology isn't that something all right so the deal went from cash to commitment look he was willing to put out a sum of money you know, cash money, shekels, but there was no way he's going to make a commitment such as marriage. He's he's not going to do that, you know, for whatever reason. And we don't know why that is. But I think the lesson here is there's a lot of people that enter into marriage like that, right? You're really cute. You're really cute. You know, you have a nice car. Boom, I'll marry you, you know. Uh, wow, you're, you're doing really well for yourself. You're welcome. Why don't you marry me? You know, whatever. Whatever, whatever the case may be. You jump in for some of the wrong reasons. They enter for the benefits. Sometimes people enter into the benefits, but they enter without the commitment. Now, there's times where the benefits of 
marriage to a certain person, they're not enough to hold the marriage together. It doesn't matter how beneficial it is, whether the person is wealthy, uh, really pretty, like me. Um, not an amen? No amen? There's no amen. Yeah, come on. Pity. He always said he was pretty. He was always pretty. I thought the Pentecostals and he would stand up and stomp, but they didn't. Look, there's times where the benefits, they're just not enough to hold the marriage together. And not, not only do they, don't, they don't hold it together, they don't make it beautiful for eternity, for all eternity. But even during the hardest times, commitments, you know, they'll keep you together as long as you work uh, on blessing your mate to the high extent, highest extent you can. And we live in a time, quite frankly, where the divorce rate in general is 50%, a little bit over 50%. And sadly, the divorce rate among believers is higher than that. It's higher than in the church than it is in the world. Now, that's a tragedy, of course. Absolutely. Now, back to the story. The nearer kinsman wanted the land, but not the wife. So he backed down. Right? A little bit embarrassing, right? A little bit embarrassing. So what did he do? He immediately kicked it over to Boaz. He deferred the matter to Boaz. Redeem thou my right to thyself. And that is exactly what Boaz wanted. See, i tell you something, folks. Like in our president, I firmly believe this, that Donald Trump is two, three, four, maybe 100 steps ahead of the closest competitor. I, I really, based on what I'm seeing from him, the guys, he's, we're reacting to this, but he's, he's way over here, and he knows we're going to do this, and then boom, he's going to – and I have to believe that because I'm seeing it happen before my eyes. Boaz, same way. He knew this guy is not going to elect to have Ruth as a wife. He's not interested in that. He can tell. Why? He, he knew these people because he was a person of wealth and influence in the community. He paid attention. Why do you think those ten elders were like, okay, we'll sit over here. Good for us. You know? The guy called so-and-so, you so-and-so, sit over here. Okay. He had influence. This guy, he knew who people were, not just who they were by name, where they lived. He knew who they were inside. He knew what made them tick. Very strategic, very smart, and he had a bigger goal. He had a bigger goal. Here's what you need to understand about Boaz and Ruth, by the way. Boaz, his interest was not in the land or anything on the land. Cattle, sheep, fish. I don't know. Did he grow fish? I don't know. None of that. He wasn't interested in any of that. Not really. He was interested in marrying Ruth, and he was strategic about it. Now, here's how the issue was settled. This would be fun for you. Now, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee, so he drew off his shoe. That's Ruth 4, 7, and 8. Now, speaking of the custom of removing shoe to con conclude a deal, Kyle and Delech, uh in their Old Testament uh, commentary this is what they say. The custom itself, which existed, which, by the way, is excellent commentary. Uh, the custom itself, which existed among the Indians and ancient Germans, arose from the fact that fixed property was taken possession of by treading upon the soil. You took possession by walking on the land. And hence, taking off the shoe is handing it off to another. You take off your shoe, you hand it to another. This was a symbol of the transfer of a possession of the right or of ownership. Isn't that cool? You got to know the culture. You got to know what's going on here. Otherwise, you hear the shoe and you're like, "I'm a lot of man took a shoe off the hallway with a dirty shoe," you know. Unless it's my size and they're nice shoes, I don't know. Boots for me, it would be boots. Are those size 14? Are those ostrich? I'll take them. 
I'd be like, okay, I'll take them. They're like, it comes with a wife. Uh. <laughs> They're really nice boots, but so Deuteronomy, <laughs> I'm going to get myself in all kinds of trouble. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. This is a complete Jewish Bible, just so you know, if it sounds a little different to you. If brothers live together and one of them dies childless, this is, this is explaining in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is important. It explains things all the way through. We see things repeating throughout the, the biblical history, and we, uh, once we understand those things, we're like, hey, that makes sense now. This is why you've got to go a little deeper. You can't just read the surface. So anyway, uh, if brothers live together and one of them dies childless, very important distinction, his widow is not to marry someone unrelated to him. Her husband's brother is to go to her and perform the duty of brother-in-law by marrying her. Yes, that means marrying her, cohabitating with her, and propagating with her. Sounds weird to us, but look, because some of you all are thinking about your brother-in-law, and you're thinking, mm-mm, I don't want any part of that, right? The first child she bears will succeed in the name of the dead brother, so that his name will not be eliminated from Israel. Now you understand why this lineage is so important. We can't have any gaps in this lineage. Why? Because they're living the Old Testament. They're living it. They're going through it. But they knew by prophecy what? One day the king is coming. One day our Messiah is coming, and he's coming from the line of David. And you know what we have to do? We have to do it right. We have to keep the line going. And this is why they did it. Amazing. God facilitated a way through obedience, if you're just obedient, that we're going to get from point A to point B. Prophecy will be fulfilled. And plus the community, they didn't have a lot of government programs back then, so they took care of who? Each other. That's how they did it. Now, here's where it gets a little, eh. If the man does not wish to marry his brother's widow, then his brother's widow is to go up to the gate to the leaders and say, my brother-in-law refuses to raise up for his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother for me. Slightly embarrassing. The leaders of his town are to summon him and speak to him if on appearing before them, he continues to say, I don't want to marry her. You know, I don't want to marry her. I don't, I don't know, you know, why don't you want to marry her? I don't know. I don't, I don't like how she braids her hair. I don't like she wears weird clothes. She's always in the high heels. I don't know what. Whatever. That's funny because they didn't wear high heels, and you guys will get that. She dresses very provocative. I don't want to marry her. Right? Tattoos and stuff? No, we don't want that. All tatted up, piercings everywhere. Mm-mm. No offense to the ladies who have tattoos or a lot of piercings. I don't have any because I'm not cool enough. Then his brother's widow is to approach him in the presence of the leaders, Pull his sandal off his foot, spit in his face, and say, this is what is done to the man who refuses to build up his brother's family. Harsh. From that time on, his family is to be known in Israel. In the whole land of Israel, right, this one thing happens, and now this guy in the whole land of Israel is known as the family of the man who had his sandal pulled off. So taking the shoe off, it was a symbol of the transfer of rights to purchase property. It signified the renunciation of the man whose shoe was removed to all claims to the ground in question. Now, the act of handing over the shoe to Boaz, this was an indication to the witnesses, right? Because this guy knew, he was a little quick on the trigger, but he knew uh, that this, he needed to show them. This, this is a formal agreement. This is law. This is how we do it. So now this is happening. Here's my shoe. Now, I don't know if he gave him back his shoe. I, I don't know all those details. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If they were ostrich boots in size 14, brother would have, I'd been like, how about that other shoe? If you really mean it, how about that other shoe? And if I had on my sandals, I would hand him my sandals, say, these are size 14, you can have them. You're welcome. Goodbye. But that's only if they're ostrich boots in size 14. I don't want you to miss this seemingly little important thing here. This is a small thing. Culturally, yes, the shoe is important, right? The shoe is important. There's no doubt about that. We've established that. But I want you to think about the importance of shoes in the context of this land. What kind of land is this? They got bad stuff in the, in the ground. They got vipers. They got, you know, poisonous uh, scorpions. And they got razor-sharp rocks. And they got all this stuff going on. Listen, when it's 137 degrees would be there, you know, this is hot. This place is hot. Animal excrement, nobody wants to walk in that. Been there, done that, don't want to do it again, right? Keep your shoes on. Uh, so think about the beach, right? How many of you have ever gone to the beach? Some of you have gone to the beach. Yeah, and it's a hot summer day. You kick your shoes off. You're like, I'm going to the water. Oh, ow, 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 right? I always keep, I grew up at the beach. I keep my sandals on until I get in place, right? Because the sand is hot. And so you've got to protect yourself. Because what if you're out there in the desert, you burn your feet badly, which you can do, or you cut your foot, and you're a good ways from, from, you know, I don't know, the medical urgent care place, and nobody's there to help you clean it out, you get an infection, you die of a stupid cut on your foot, right? So sandals, look, this is important. This is, to be barefooted, you're vulnerable. You are vulnerable. You, uh, you're vulnerable to what, though? Everything. Everything. Everything's risk. So that's just a little something I want to throw in there so you know. That's actually won't cost you a dime more. So the statement of the Redeemer, and Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Mahlon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahlon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon, the inherit, uh, upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. And from the gate of this place, you are witnesses this day. This is a smart, smart man who wastes no time. He had a strategy. He had a strategy. From the first minute he walked up to that gate, he knew what he was going to do. Boaz wasted no time. He jumped on the other kinsman's offer right away. The phrase, I have bought, speaks to the fact that Boaz had acquired by legal means. He was establishing his right to this family's possessions, but not only Elimelech's property, but more importantly, that of both sons. But to think about this, he's buying the whole deal. The, 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 the man, the patriarch, and his sons, gone. He has now purchased those things. But he also, and this is the point of it, he also obtained Ruth to be his wife. You say, that sounds like slavery. No, that sounds like some kind of terrible thing. No, this was a redemption of a woman who was in a very bad way. And he wasn't treating her like, well, all right, I'll buy you, but, you know, how are you at over easy eggs? Can you poach eggs? Do you burn your – I mean, I need good poached eggs. Every, if you're not good at this, then, you know, we're off. No, he, he realized she was a woman of great value. He didn't purchase Ruth in the sense of, like we think, purchasing a property. He redeemed her. And you know a lot of men, just speaking of men, not to beat on all men, myself included, but a lot of men get tripped up on this. They, they get this idea when they take a wife, they're just, 
the man just adding her to a, to his life, and then a mess happens in the marriage because it's not like that. It's it's just not like that. If it's going to be beautiful and amazing and forever lasting, it can't be like that. So when Boaz says he will raise the name of the dead upon his inheritance, he's talking about providing a son who would carry on the name of the deceased. Not his name, the name of the deceased, the person for whom he's born. So, so he's not just thinking of himself here. Hey, she's pretty. I'm thinking she's probably pretty. I don't know. I've not gone back on the Internet and found pictures of her. So um, the paparazzi weren't so good then. But the point is, the point is something about her captivated him something i think a lot of things had to have been for him to go through all of this because boaz is a rich guy he's got a little influence he can have anybody he wants he chooses ruth he chooses ruth man how beautiful how beautiful so he's saying this is not just me this is this is scripture he concludes by reminding his hearers that they are all witnesses basically what he says was you are witnesses that i am buying the land and taking ruth to be my wife. Case closed. The matter has been settled. Now, the salutation of the witnesses. And all the people that were in the gate, this is Ruth 4, 11 through 12, and all the people that were in the gate, and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come unto the, into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. Now, you think women, you think God looks down on women? You, see, you just read what I said? Did you hear what I said? I didn't say it. It's scripture. Make it come unto thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So the court session ends with the elders and the people confirming that they indeed are witnesses, and they now are pronouncing blessings on Boaz and his marriage. Rachel and Leah, they were the wives of Jacob, right? Multiple plural plurality was, you know, very common, right? It was very common, and so they, but they did amazing things. They did, it says they were pivotal to Israel, right? They, they built the house of Israel, let's be honest. So you, you can't say genealogies are boring and unimportant, right? But when I was a kid, uh, I always wanted to skip over and begat and so begat and all that. It was that was awful, man. I wouldn't. I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. Like, man, let's get to the good stuff where Peter lops off somebody's ear, calls down fire. I want some good stuff. I want to hear that Noah story about how those animals and you know what they do with the snakes and did, you know why the mosquitoes. I you know I had questions. But the bottom line is, genealogies are critically important, right? This is a genealogy thing. Remember what I said. They're important for sure, and I'm going to show you the trail right here and right now. We're almost finished. Rachel and Leah were the matriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. Phares was the son of Tamar and an ancestor of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Christ. We say it again. Rachel and Leah, they were the matriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. Phares was the son of Tamar and an ancestor of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Christ. Man, the line is short, isn't it? They also pronounced a blessing upon Boaz that he would do thou worthily in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. Now that prayer was certainly realized later, years later, when through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth's marriage, the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Seems like a little thing, 
doesn't it? But you know what I always say, little things don't mean a lot. They mean everything. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, I hope that you've been uh, educated in this. I hope maybe you might have learned some things you might not have known before. If you uh, have enjoyed this message and it has blessed you, please consider sharing it with everybody you know, or at least the people you like. Maybe the people that you don't like, that you will then like them more because now they'll know more, and you won't always have to be saying how stupid they are. Listen to us on the Collision of Faith and Politics on Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you. We'd absolutely love to have you. It would be wonderful. Um, we're going to have fun this Wednesday. Uh, part of Wednesday will be hilarious and fun, I assure you. Part of Wednesday is going to be very tough to hear. Um, it's going to be hardcore. Follow me at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm there. You put all that stuff in. Put in uh, Facebook.com backslash SMGreener and just click on follow, um, and we'll be super close friends, and we'll know all about each other's children and whatnot, and it'll be big fun. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, go to theninjapastor.com. Click on the little panel that comes up. Put your name and your email. You can make up a name. Don't make it stupid. All the Satanists come up with these really crazy names. They join, and then they just ping me. Just ping me over and over and over. It's just crazy. Unbelievable. From atheist to Satanist. Unreal. I'm a popular fella. Hey, thank you again for joining me. We're praying for uh, the listening audience, also the live audience, and we've got some major developments here uh, among the group and the friends and the family that we pray for, and so we'll be sharing those now. But just rest assured that we pray for you collectively. I don't know all of your names yet because it's 164,000 people, and my memory's not that great. But the point of the matter is, is that you matter to us, and we appreciate you big time. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.